Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf. Today, Alex, we dive deep in on Evan Fournier, the Frenchman, the French connection, three-point bomber. What are we expecting out of him this season? Well, we're going to talk about a lot. First off, what we know about Fournier, the presumptive starter at shooting guard, if you believe Tibbs's uh, early camp comments. And uh, just talk about what we expect from him this season. Is he going to add things to his game? Is he more or less who he is at this point? What's his role going to be this year? And much more coming up next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. We want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. We're now available on all platforms, and that includes on YouTube. I am Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster. He's Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website out there. You can check them out on all social media at the Strick.land. And uh, we are diving deep on Evan Fournier, a player who, Alex, I would I would say it would be fair to describe him as maligned over the first 30 to 40 games of the season. Um, obviously, a lot of our ire was was directed towards Kemba Walker, but there was also like a lot of sympathy there for a guy who, who was a star, who I think was playing his butt off and, and just clearly didn't have it anymore um, because of injuries. Evan Fournier uh, last season was uh, 29 years old uh, for the majority of the year, uh, was seemingly right in the midst of his prime, was coming off a couple seasons in a row in Orlando where he hovered right around 20 points per game, was one of the better three-point shooters on planet Earth. And uh, he he really struggled uh, to start last season. After, after a scintillating opening night against the Boston Celtics, uh, he, he had a, a million issues, sucked on defense, wasn't shooting it that well. Had it, it felt like every other night had a game where he went like one for 11. And we were all kind of tired of it and being like, oh, man, is this, is this going to be another one of those horrible Knicks contracts? And, and slowly but surely, he built his way up over the year, started making shots, and became – Honestly, one of the Knicks, three or four most reliable players by the end of last season. Yeah, I mean, I think so too. You know, I I think that Fournier is well worth his contract. I think the only frustration that I feel with Fournier going into this year is like not so much in him, but in who his presence rules out in some ways. You know, it's like having Fournier on the team making starters money or roughly starters money and you know, having that probable 30 minutes or so per game, you know, basically guaranteed to him means no Quentin Grimes or, or less Quentin Grimes and less of Emmanuel quickly, who it seems like is going to get a lot of time at the two this year, less of Cam Reddish, even who, you know, Fournier sometimes sops up those like backup three minutes in a, in a way, or, you know, we'll be out there with a Grimes or something where they're both sort of the wings out there. And so it's like, I, I, I really like what Fournier brings to the team. And like, I mean, his, 
his finish to the season last year was, I won't go so far as to say like spectacular or something, but I mean, much like a lot of the Knicks, uh, like RJ Barrett, for example, he had a, a really good year once the calendar flipped over to 2022 uh, in, in all the games that he played after uh, the turn of the year, after New Year's, he averaged 15 points, shot 42.5% overall, but 40% from three on eight and a half attempts, which led to him breaking that uh, long, long held John Starks record for most three pointers in a season by a Nick. And I think that we started to see too, like when he got taken out of that box of essentially Tibbs being early in the season, like, all right, you're basically Reggie Bullock. Like, we're just going to have you sort of do these actions with Julius where, you know, he's going to sometimes kick out to you for three, but that's it. And that's all you're going to do, except for you're also clearly not good enough to play the the point of attack defense and everything that Bullock was playing last year too. So I don't know. It sucks for you, I guess. Like, you're not going to get to do the things on offense that make you a plus player. Uh, I think down the stretch of the season, we finally start to see Tibbs uh, of – the things that we can actually give him credit for last year, uh, finally being like, all right, let's put the ball in Fournier's hands a little more. We'll let him create. I actually thought that one thing that was pretty helpful was that Fournier was kind of being like one of the first guys out when subs would come out, but then one of the first guys back in to kind of stay out there with the bench unit for a little bit. And I thought that we saw him develop a really good rapport with Jericho Sims. Um, he was like one of the best guys like Sims got really adept towards the end of the year, sealing off his man and being able to sort of receive an entry pass and be completely, you know, have nobody in front of him between him and the hoop to finish off a play with either a layup or a dunk. And Fournier, I think, got really good at identifying those and and hitting Sims sealed off down in the post with nobody between him and the basket and just getting easy assists and easy points that way. Um, so, it, you know, I think that he has utility beyond just being the shooter that he was for so much last year. And I think so much of it, too, is, you have to trust him to do more than just be a spot up guy. And that was something that finally clicked down the stretch of last season, but not before I think it had his reputation already been kind of tainted in the eyes of the fans of being like, Oh, what is he even doing? He's not that good of a, of a, you know, an offensive player from just like the spot up perspective, you know, he's definitely not as good as like Reggie block was on defense. He's part of this, this starting lineup that ultimately I think we would both agree had more to do with Kemba Walker and Julius Randle for being bad, but like the worst starting lineup in the NBA, the worst five man lineup in the NBA by a huge margin. So whatever he was contributing was kind of getting overshadowed by that. The fact that he was just on this huge stinker of a lineup. Uh, I, I think just a lot of things worked against him, but ultimately I think he's a very positive player, just not, one that is sort of in the same vein as Derrick Rose, not one that I'm like particularly excited to see on this team just because of the direction that I hope to see this team go, I guess. Yeah. I I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I think it's, it's interesting to to look back at some of the numbers from last year and see, despite that slow start, um, how relatively of a positive he was in that starting lineup. Um, like him and him and Randall together last year when they were on the court, they finished the season with they they were I, I thought this was telling as well. They were the Knicks single um most played two-man combo on the entire team. And it, it's weird because we keep designating the 
or, or I guess uh, not uh, designating, denigrating the importance of Evan Fournier, he was like, by that metric, he was, he was one of their most important players. And as a two-man combo, they finished last year with a minus 2.4 net rating. And I, th- I think Tibbs, as the season went on, was, I mean, I mean to your point, I loved when Fournier played with the bench, but he, he, he almost saved Randall from himself and protected Randall from his worst instincts, just in the sense that when things were clicking for Randall, a lot of times it was because he was running two-man actions with Evan Fournier and was doing little dribble handoffs for him and, and was setting um, like the, these weird little like rub screens for him and, and was rolling to the basket when Fournier had the ball in a, in a way that he didn't with other guys in the court. And, and that showed in the sense that Randall, like overall in the season, was a minus 9.4. So his overall net rating was seven points worse than it was with Evan Fournier in the court. And he played a lot of minutes with Evan Fournier. So that, that tells you, I couldn't find the exact number, but that tells you he was an abject disaster um, when he was on the floor without Evan Fournier. Fournier on the season was also, weirdly enough, a little bit worse without Randall, though that, that wasn't very many minutes I got to play without Randall. So you can um, look at that sample size and, and kind of brush it away. But overall in the year, he was only a minus 3.8. But all that tells me um, that he did a ton to prop Julius up. And it was kind of interesting. I went and I, I kind of looked back at that West Coast run where Julius played his best basketball of the season. And I found this quote from Evan that said, he's rolling. So I always hit him with a little hip pass. And that opens up the whole court for him to either shoot or just drive or kick or make a play. And I'm sure in Evan's mind at that time, he was kind of thinking or, or whatever, however you would say this in French, he, he would say like, yes, we finally figured this out. This is great. Um, this is what I came here to do. I came here to play with with the skilled big that I, I know he had Nikola Vucevic in um, Orlando, but Julius is 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 kind of is a different kind of player, like like a skilled big that's different than anything I've ever had in my career. And I'm finally getting that experience, and he's playing well, and I'm playing well, and it's all it's all working great. And unfortunately, before that time, it didn't work, and then after that time, it didn't work because Julius didn't really play that way the rest of the year. But if we're looking for an argument. And, and I think we're going to get to the counter arguments before we finish this episode for Evan Fournier to stay in the starting lineup. It's that him and Julius did have some real chemistry last year. And I think Fournier does a lot to keep Julius away from his worst instincts. And in Julius's defense, he's had very poor spacing around him his whole career. You can go check out Dallas Amico's Twitter. He, he was even showing how last night it was an issue. Um, Fournier, it, it, oh, oh, Quentin Grimes is very good at this too, but Fournier, I would say overall, is still the Knicks' best option for giving Randall a little bit of breathing room. But Alex, uh, I want to throw that back to you to get your thoughts on it. But before we do, uh, I got to tell everyone about Bet Online real, real quick. Uh, they are one of our favorites, and BetOnline.net is also your number one source for football betting info this season. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering info with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Alex, what are some odds that you are looking at today in terms of bet online? You know, I highlighted this a few episodes ago, but I'm going back to the well. Uh, Tom Thibodeau, plus 5,000 for Coach of the Year. You know what? I'm sold. One preseason game. That was more than enough for me. I'm, I'm dumping my life savings on Tibbs plus 5,000. I will see you at the end of the year when I'm rich, by which I mean I'll say, sayonara, I'm retiring from everything. I'm out of here. I'm going to go live somewhere and buy uh, season tickets courtside at the Knicks You know, with all my Tom Thibodeau winnings 
So that's my goal. I think that's. I, it. I was going to say the irony of that scenario is I think it would end with you buying the Knicks and eventually firing Tom Thibodeau. But we'll, <laughs> yes. we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll keep going. Now. <laughs> Head to that device more bet online where the game starts. No, it, it, it would certainly make the podcast more interesting. All right, we are back on Locked On Knicks. Uh, uh, Alex, uh, what, what, what is your take on? I well, I think I know what your take is. Uh, you, you like me, want Quentin Grimes to start, but do you think there's a there's a devil's advocate argument for Evan Fournier starting being a good thing? You know, it's funny actually. One of the things you said about uh, him keeping Julius honest and whatever, like, almost made me think, and, and the spacing and all that stuff. I, I was kind of thinking the opposite though. Like, I mean, not that he doesn't do those things, but I think that. Grimes would be more beneficial starting. And I think that Fournier at this point would be more beneficial coming off the bench. And that's not even meant as like a knock on him in any way. I think it's just more like the bench needs more of an infusion of a player like Fournier than the starting lineup does, right? Like we're now at the point where four out of five players in the starting lineup, and look, this is a good thing. Don't get me wrong, but four out of the five players can it can do stuff with the ball in their hands and arguably are most effective with the ball in their hands. Like I think that you could say Brunson for sure. RJ for sure is more effective with the ball in his hands. Uh, Julius definitely is at this point. Although, you know, we could definitely say and, and hope that he's going to find more uh, times to do stuff without the ball in his hands. But as of right now, like that's his most effective role is having the ball in his hands. And Fournier, I think, also is the most effective with the ball in his hands. And that was shown, you know, during those stretches last year that I was saying when he would get that time with the bench unit and flash good chemistry with some of the guys off the bench, like a Jericho Sims. And, you know, really sort of was like, I don't want to call him a floor general, but like organized the the bench unit pretty well and provided that spacing for them. And also was a guy that could handle the ball, could run a quick pick and roll, you know, could just kind of like get everybody set and ready to go. I, I like that role for him. Like, I think that would be what I would want to ideally see him doing this year, more so than starting again. Though I can see the case for one continuity. Like, why would you throw away? You know, you finally just found a good symbiosis between Fournier and and RJ and Randall and stuff towards the end of last year a little bit. Why would you want to toss that away right now? Uh, but I, I think it's more the presence of Brunson like negates the need for having another guy like a Fournier in the starting lineup where last year it was like, okay, Alec Burks is your like quote unquote starting point guard. So he's a wing. So obviously you need as much ball handling and stuff out there as possible. If you want to potentially be successful. Now you have a guy in Brunson that should, I think be bringing the ball up the floor like 80% of the time now. Uh, and then, still have RJ Barrett and Julius Randle who can do spot duty with bringing the ball up the floor. Uh, do you really need a, a guy like Fournier out there to do those things? Or is it better at this point to just move him to a spot on the bench where he can still get minutes as like the six man type guy, or I guess the seventh man, I would hope that quickly would still have a higher, you know, pecking order than him, but probably not likely, but you know, you can still get him as like 20, 25 minutes a game off the bench. And, have him be in a situation where he's going to be dictating the offense more against inferior competition and, you know, could maybe be like a, I don't know, like this isn't a one-to-one -one comparison, but play sort of a similar role to like J.R. Smith did back on the old Knicks where it's like, all right, this guy's coming in off the bench, but 
we know he's going to be able to feast against some of these bench players, but then also, you know, if there's a high leverage situation down the stretch of the game, we can keep him in there and we know he can score in buckets in like the fourth quarter and, you know, maybe can win us a couple of games that way. Uh, you know, while also getting himself warmed up against the the lesser guys on the other team leading up to that point. So uh, I don't know. I think that's probably my my ultimate landing spot for what I want to do for Fournier at this point. Yeah, Alex, I think the the interesting thing that Tibbs has said is it's not about who starts, it's who finishes, right? Classic coaching cliche, except for Tom Thibodeau. It is about who starts because who starts is guaranteed 28 to 41 minutes per game for Tom Thibodeau. And it has been that way since the dinosaurs were walking the earth. And if it, if, if it truly weren't like that, I wouldn't care that much who started. I would still think Grimes made more sense just because of what he brings defensively. And I think that defense is, is more crucial in the starting lineup. And to your point, um, while Grimes ultimately has the higher ceiling as a ball handler and, and as a passer, Fournier just has more experience. We this is something we kept bringing up last year, but for most of his career, he was he was option one A or one B for the Orlando Magic, and they weren't very good like that. And at times, he ceded ground to uh, Nikola Vucevic offensively, but by and large, I mean he was he was sort of the guy for that team. And you throw him in a, a scenario where he gets to do that against backups, and he gets to do so with guys that'll actually bring some verve to the table in Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin. If I were a Nick shooting guard and I was guaranteed equal minutes starting or coming off the bench, I would beg to come off the bench because I'd, I'd much rather not like not a shot at Brunson or RJ, but I would just much rather play with a unit where things are moving. They're spacing all over the floor. And, and you can just think about the shooting that'll be present on the court. Like if, if you have IQ Fournier and um, uh, a parent three point marksman, Isaiah Hartenstein all together it's really exciting. And, and we talk about the chemistry he developed with Randall. I can only imagine some of the two-man game he could do with Hartenstein, someone who I, I would say is an even better or more willing passer, not to mention Obi, who's a really good passer. It just creates a lot of interesting possibilities. But I think the, the beauty of Fournier and Grimes is offensively at this point, there aren't a ton of differences between the two. And maybe maybe that's a little unfair to say. And, and, and look, if I was to, again, play devil's advocate – in favor of Tom Thibodeau, I would say Fournier has been a 20-plus point scorer multiple seasons in this league. Last year, he was in the top 15 in the NBA in three-pointers made. He was fifth out of that top 15 in three-point percentage. He is an elite proven shooter. With Grimes, he he had a couple really good games last year, and then he looked really good in summer league. There, it's still a lot of speculation to say that he can come in day one and make the impact that Evan Fournier had. So if I, if I were to defend Tibbs, totally fair totally valid. I, I just think we are both at a place where we have seen enough from Grimes to say he is so clearly going to be better on defense and he's going to bring a lot to the table offensively. I know Fournier looked pretty good on defense last night against the Pistons. He's promised he's going to play harder on that end, but ultimately that's where my concerns lie with him, like how he holds up on that end, particularly playing next to Jalen Brunson against uh, some of the best players in the league. Yeah, I'm with you there. I want to kind of talk about uh, similar to what we did in our Cam Reddish preview about where we see things going with Evan Fournier. So we'll get into that next after we take our final break real quick on Locked on Knicks. All right, and we're back to finish talking about Evan Fournier here in this episode. Gavin, I, I kind of thought I, I liked when we closed with this on the Cam Reddish one, and I feel like it's a little more 
complex with Fournier because unlike Reddish, it's not like where you're thinking of a scenario where it's just like, well, we can't find minutes for this guy, so may as well trade him or get you know get rid of him in some way. With Fournier, it's like I know I can get great production out of this guy. He literally set the franchise record for three pointers made and was one of the top five like three point shooters in the league. If you factor in, as you said in the last segment, volume and uh, you know his his accuracy, like he was one of the best three point shooters period in the NBA last year and like super dependable does, you know, that shooting is maybe the most important skill in the modern day NBA, you know, other than it, you also have to have ways to stay on the floor. But like, I think that he's really done a good job of showing that he can do that. So he's clearly a good player. I think he's paid pretty fairly. Uh, every indication should say, should say you should keep this guy around, but what do you think the Knicks should do with him? Like, and I guess, I'll ask the same question that you asked me towards the end of the the reddish pod. Do you think he's on the team past the the uh, trading deadline this year? Because to me, I look at him and I'm just like, I I I feel like I would want to keep him. Weirdly, like even if there was a deal out there, unless it was such an exorbitant cost that it was impossible to say no, he's sort of a guy that I would like to keep on the team just because you get guaranteed production from, you know, shooting the basketball, which is like one of, if not the most important skill in the NBA, you get a guy who's multifaceted on offense, but more than that, one thing that I've been super impressed with, with Fournier and his time on the Knicks since last year is that he seems very even keeled. He seems very equipped for like this city. He seems very equipped for being, uh, you know, just kind of, accepting whatever role is given to him. Like, I don't think that he would throw a tantrum if he got put on the bench this year and, and was coming off and still getting, you know, still playing a part on the team. I, I don't know. I just get very good vibes from him. And I feel like he's a good locker room guy and a guy that I would not particularly want to trade, but I, I can see a world where particularly if Grimes is really showing himself to be good, if, Maybe if Cam Reddish gets a shot and then, you know, is showing that he's worth playing and maybe paying later on where the Knicks just say, you know what, I, I think we just got to get rid of him and, you know, let's find some sort of value for him on the trade market and get rid of him at the deadline to some shooting needy team. You know, Fournier is one of those guys that's proven in the past, like literally just a couple of years ago that he has value at the trade deadline in that respect. I, I don't know. Where would you stand heading into a trade deadline with him if he's still playing well, but, uh, you know, ultimately you can potentially get like maybe a late first round pick for him or something. Yeah, Alex, I think my answer for this is is going to be the same that it's going to be for Derek Rose, for Julius Randle. When we inevitably ask this question on those podcasts, it, it's going to be that he's still going to be here. There, there's pressure on this front office. There is uh, 10 times the pressure on Tom Thibodeau to at the very least make the play in this year. They if, if there's any world where the Knicks are somewhat close, and I think, again, barring like a significant injury to Brunson or RJ, like I, I think we'd be stunned if they're at least not in that mix heading into the middle of this season. I, I don't think they're trading off guys who can help this team win. And Evan Fournier, whether as a starter or a bench guy, he's a positive player. He's someone who is going to make this team better when he's on the court. The only way I think he ultimately gets dealt is one is if the Knicks get an offer that's too good to refuse, like the one we talked about, the Lakers, if they say, hey, we want we want Rose, we want Fournier, we want Randall, and we'll give you two unprotected first-round picks, then I think this front office says, all right, bye. Uh, we're we're, we're going to take those picks, and we're going to 
try and trade up into the top five of next year's draft because that would make us way, way better in long term. But barring a world like that, the only scenario where I see him getting shipped out is the one you just talked about where he does get moved to the bench, where whether it's at the beginning of the season or 20 games into the season, Quentin Grimes' talent is just undeniable. And it's pretty clear that he's their future. And, and even Tom Thibodeau is looking at it like he gives us 90% on offense of what Evan Fournier gives us. And he's just a far better defensive player. And I mean, there is a world where pride comes into play. And, and for as good of a teammate as Fournier is, um, especially in a scenario where Grimes is all of a sudden playing 30 minutes a game and Fournier is down to something like 18, he's going to, he could go to the front office and say, Hey, I'm not going to complain. I'm, I'm not going to like stop playing, but I would strongly prefer to be somewhere else. And then I think this front office that, that has tried to be fairly player forward the last couple of years and, and fairly agency forward um, could give Evan Fournier an out and could trade him. Um, where would he go? I think is an interesting question because uh, presumably he would want to go to a team that is either a title contender or he'd have a bigger role. Just running through the Eastern Conference, um, the Raptors could certainly use his shooting at the two spot, though he he would, I think, damage like the immense switchability that they have defensively. The Milwaukee Bucks, I don't really think could afford him, but in, in some world where they open up their cap to what to where they could, he would be incredibly good there as the fourth guy, if you remember. A couple years back, they uh, desperately tried to get Bogdan Bogdanovich and uh, ended up, uh, I think, tampering. And so that trade didn't go through. Um, in the Western Conference, the Clippers always have unlimited money to spend. We, we referenced the Mavericks with them all summer. They could use another shooter, a, a, another big shooter like an Evan Fournier. Uh, you can go on and on and on, but there, there are plenty of places. Even the Denver Nuggets, the team where he started his career, there are plenty of places where he would find a role and I, I think could contribute to a team that could win a championship and just – who is the finances to make it work and what those teams are willing to give up to, to make it worthwhile for the Knicks. Yeah. And, and I have no doubt that if some team was needy enough and thought that he was going to be like the missing piece that they would give up, like say their first round pick this coming year, which would likely be, you know, in the mid twenties or something. Uh, and it would, it would be really tempting. You know, I, I go back and forth, I guess like, to make an educated decision on that, I would have to be like literally in the locker room and see if my suspicions are correct. That like, he really is that great of a dude in the locker room like that. But if the Knicks are playing, I guess a lot of it is going to depend on how well or, or not well the Knicks are playing as well. Like I think if they, if the Knicks are looking like they're going to make the play in or maybe even outright the playoffs, like let's say things really break well for them this year. And, you know, Tibbs saves his job. Julius Randall, you know, looks as good as he did in that first preseason game, et cetera, et cetera. Like, then maybe we're talking about a scenario where it's like, well, the Knicks can't possibly do this because Fournier is a really key player on this team right now. And even if we think that Grimes could effectively step in and and do it, you don't want to mess with the locker room that's you know clearly finding its stride, you know, in in year two with most of this core group. So, uh, or year three for some of them, include or year four even for Julius and RJ. Uh, so. I, I guess it'll all be very dependent on how things go for the Knicks this season and how things go for other teams. You know, I, I think to your point too, there could be some team out there that just Godfather offers the Knicks and says like, we'll give you like two firsts and like three seconds for him because we're just like that desperate to get a really good shooting player. If he's having another three point shooting year, like he did last year, uh, you know, throughout the first half of this year, maybe no matter where the Knicks are at, then they say, you know what? We could be compelled with that. And you know, we'll, we will hand the keys over to Quentin Grimes then to be the starting shooting guard and, you know, be backed up by some combination of quickly reddish, you know, Deuce McBride, whatever. Uh, so I guess we'll see how that all goes. But 
I think it's a pretty good point to to end on with Evan Fournier. I think the overarching point here is clearly a very talented player. And in my estimation, I think you, you're in agreement here, worth his contract, even if we had reservations early last year about, you know, based off how he's being used and everything else of whether he was worth his contract. I think you could say without a doubt, he, he makes his money and he's worth it. Like if Jalen Brunson is worth 25, 26 million, which I think we both agree he is, Evan Fournier is worth 18 million. You know, he's he's worth low end starter money in the NBA for sure. And does some things at a very high level, whether that's going to be for the Knicks or for another team this year is, is another story for another day. But until next time, I think we can wrap up. So we'll be back. Uh, we'll have another game recap for you guys coming on Monday. Uh, Gavin and I both have a lot going on this weekend, so we won't have a Saturday edition uh, recapping preseason game two. We'll get into that Monday morning. Uh, but till then, we'll be... Uh, here for you guys five days a week again. We'll have more previews coming up. We're going to bring some guests on to do some of these other previews so we can get some outside perspectives. Uh, but until those days come, thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you all soon. Peace out.